Okay, so today's daf is Ayin in Yoma. We are on Samachtet. We are about seven lines from the bottom where we left off yesterday. This is where the Kohen Gadol reads from the Torah after his, you know, he's about, he's sort of like in the middle of the Avodah. He sent out the Sira Mishaleach. Now he reads from the Torah. And he reads Achorimot and Achbasor. Achbasor is from Parshat Emor, actually. <clears throat> so it's only two parashiot after uh, Achorimot. Because have Achorimot, Kedoshim, and then Emor, right? So Achorimot, he reads the beginning, and then he reads Ach Be'asor, which is the section of uh, when in, in Parashat Emor, when it lists all the Chagim, that we actually read on, like, usually the first day of the Chagim. You know, the Shoro Chesevo Ezki Yivalet, that section of... Uh, of Parshat Emor, he reads from there about Yom Kippur. Or a mini, but we raise an objection to that. Midalgin ben Navi, ven midalgin in general, we say that when it comes to Navi, you're allowed to skip. In other words, in the Haftarot, sometimes the Haftarot could be a combination of different uh, Nevi'im. Like if you look at, for example, um, what we read, uh, uh, what we read on uh, uh, on Yom Kippur, we read Yonah, and then we read Miel Kamocha. That's not part of the. Uh, that's not part of Sefer Yonah. So we we're allowed to jump around in the Navi, but not in the Torah. So how could he be jumping from Achrimot and then he goes to Emor? You're not allowed to jump from place to place. It says, The difference is that if you make a long interruption, in other words, if you can quickly move from one place to the other while the guy is still translating the Psukim, because they used to have a translator in between. So the translators, they read in, they read in Hebrew. The translator is translating into Aramaic. And meanwhile, if you can roll quickly enough that you can get to the next spot, it's not an interruption. So it's not a uh, tirchat. It's not considered to be an imposition on the community that it's taking too long. If it's going to take a long time to roll it, that's when we don't skip from place to place. Oh, no, 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 quick, quick question. Are you calling Navi Gambe Beta Mikdash? No, we're just talking about Yom Kippur now. What do you mean Navi and Yom Beta Mikdash? We're talking about what we're talking about here. Right, well, we're talking about Yom Kippur Avodah that the Kohen Gadol reads from the Torah on Yom Kippur as part of the Avodah. It's in the Beta Mikdash, like we read yesterday, in the Beta Mikdash, in the Izrat Nashim, they bring us a for Torah, he reads from it. In the middle of the Avodah, he reads from it. Okay, so why are you jumping into the Navi right now? They're talking about the Halachot of Kriyat Torah. Because the, the Kohen Gadol reads from two different parashiot. He reads from parashat Achrimot, and then he skips to parashat Emor. But in general, in Kriyat HaTorah, we don't do that. We don't skip out of order to go from one section to another section. That's what it's saying. It says, Medalgin ben Navi. If you're reading in Navi, that's a general halakha. Nothing to do with the Beit HaMikdash. Nothing to do with... No, it's just saying in the halachot of Kriyat HaTorah, you don't skip. So why are we skipping? So it says, if it's a short skipping that you roll very quickly, it's okay. Like what we do, for example, on... Um, on, on the Tanit Tzibur, we skip from Vaychal Moshe, then we skip the, you know, we skip one column. For the, the Levi Aliyah is not the same place. Vaychal Moshe is one paragraph, and then we skip. We have to roll a little bit to go to Vayifsol. Okay, yeah. Sol Lecha Shnei Luchodavim Kirishoni, it's like a column later. Okay, anyway, we'll, we'll pay attention next Sunday, you'll see. Because on, on the fast day, we, we skip. Right, so now it says, Fine. But then we learn, that we skip in the Navi, but we don't skip in the Torah. In other words, it sounds like there's two conditions. Number one, we never skip in the Torah. And even when you skip in the Navi, it can only be a small skipping. It can only be the amount of time it takes for the translator to translate the Hebrew. You, so in other words, you never skipping in the Torah is allowed. Only skipping in the Navi and only short skipping. So it says, no. It depends. If it's one inyan, it's one subject, so then it's okay. But if it's two subjects, it's not okay. Right? And that's why it says, And this is a proof. 
if you're skipping in the Torah on one inyan, and that's why they say that we're allowed to skip from in Vaychal Moshe at Pnei Hashem Elohav, which we read in the morning of the Tanit Tibur, and then we skip part of it, and we go to the part of Vayomer Hashem Moshe Pesol Lechash Enel Chot Avanim Karishonim. We skip the part in the middle um, after Vaychal from Vaychal until the. Uh, until uh, we skip a couple of parts because that's we're talking about the Cheta Egel. So when Moshe Rabbeinu first hears that Hashem is going to destroy the people, so Vaychal Moshe he prays for them to uh, to not be destroyed. Then Moshe goes down to the people, intervenes in the Egel Azav, stops them, does this. Then he goes back and he ha- and Hashem tells him to make new luchot because he broke them. Right, so that whole part where he goes down and he intervenes in Egel Azav comes back. We don't read that on the fast day. We just read the part of the tefillah in the beginning and the part at the end where he gets the two luchot and Hashem Hashem Elochum Vechanun. Okay, we skip a whole part in the middle. Okay, because it's too long and it's not connected to the fast day. So that so the, so you're allowed to skip. It's Binyan Echad. Now Rashi says Kigon Midabrot Binyan Yom Kippurim. Here we're allowed to skip because Acharemot the beginning and the Yom Kippur paragraph in Parashat Emor is talking about the same subject, right? It's talking about Yom Kippur, same subject. So you're allowed to skip. He says, and, and it says, and it's a short skipping, okay? And even if, and he said, and then he explains why. Even if it's a short skipping, we don't generally jump around in the Torah if it's on two inyanim. If it's two different subjects, we don't. Why? Because the Torah is something that teaches you mitzvot and things like that. So it's re- like in Navi, okay, it's an inspirational message of a Navi about one thing, inspirational Navi about the other thing. Okay, it's inspirational. It's, it's, or it's, you know, but when it comes to the Torah, it's teaching you mitzvot. If people get confused, they read one thing over here, then you read a different thing over here, they're going to get everything mixed up. So it's something where we don't like to skip unless it's on the same topic. Because if you, it's like, if somebody gives a, a lecture and they jump from one subject and a different subject, so then you lose the, you don't know what they're talking about by the end. You, you don't know what they spoke about by the end, right? So, so it's, it, when, it, when it's something that is practical, like if you're just giving, like sometimes lecturers come and they're just inspiring you. They tell a story about this, a story about that, one thing about that. Okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. But if they're teaching you how to do something, like a practical, if they're teaching you how to fix a car and they jump from one subject to another, then in the end, you're not going to know how to do anything because you've got a mixed up thing. So when it comes to the Torah, we're very careful. Only one inyan, only one subject, because we don't want people to get confused. So he's allowed to skip because it's a short skipping, and it's on the same topic. Yom Kippur and Acharimot, beginning of Acharimot. Yom Kippur in Parashat Emor, which is just a very short distance because Acharimot is a short parasha. Then you have Kiddushim, and Emor is the next parasha after that, short skip. But so, Right? Of course not. Shorting. Only Moshe Rabbeinu could give mitzvot. Short skipping means same what? page or uh, more than huh? short skipping. Well, in Acharimot Kedoshi, it could be Acharimot Kedoshi could be like a f- couple of columns, but it would take like it would take like ten seconds. It would take like uh, not exactly the same page, but probably it would take like ten seconds to roll it. It's not it's not very long, so you know it, it's very short. I mean, from Acharimot to Emor is very short. So, when, so, so he says, and then he says, in Torah, in Torah, in both of them, you have to do it quickly, okay? So that the Turgeman, because what they used to do is they would read the Hebrew of the p- Pasuk, and each Pasuk, they would read the Arabic for the people to understand. They didn't have like a Chumash with English or translation. So that, but no books, right? And they didn't understand the language necessarily because from the time of ba- Galut Bavel, when they came back from, with Ezra, from Galut Bavel, they didn't know, they were mainly Aramaic speakers. They weren't Hebrew speakers purely anymore. So now we have more difficulty 
understanding the Aramaic. I read the Hebrew and the Chumash to know what the Aramaic says. I, the Aramaic is, is not as strong. But in those days, that was the vernacular of the people that they spoke Aramaic, like the Kaddish and everything is in the Aramaic. Now, he says, so, okay. But we don't skip from one Navi to the other. In other words, we don't read one part from Sefer Shmuel and one part from uh, Sefer Menachim. We don't, we, in the Haftarot, we never do that. We never skip from one book to another. Even if we might skip, a part of the Navi. We don't necessarily read straight through. We might read like one paragraph and then a, letter, a later paragraph in the same Navi. But we don't ever skip around except for except for the Treyasar. Treyasar is a book that is considered to be one long book. Even though it's made up of 12 small Navi'im like Yonah and all that. The small Navi'im. But because they are... Uh, because it's a, um, they're, they're all contained in one book. Like you don't write a Sefer Yonah separately. You don't write a Sefer uh, uh, Micha separately. You always write it as Treyas or one book. So it's not considered different books, even though they're different Nevi'im. And that's why at the end of Sefer Yonah, we add on a piece from Micha because it's, because uh, uh, it, it connects to the uh, subject. And also on, um, also on, uh, on the fast days in the afternoon, we also add Miel Kamocha to the end of the, uh, to the end of the Navi, even though it's not the, from the same Navi that the Haftarah is from. Now, the only thing we don't do is go from the end of a book to the beginning. In other words, we don't go out of order. So if we're going to read Perik Kaf in Yeshayahu, I'm just making it up. Perik number 20 in Yeshayahu, you don't then read after that Perik 18. You don't go backwards, you go forward. So if you're going to skip, if you want to skip, you read a paragraph and another paragraph, which we sometimes do. And then if you look at the Haftarah very closely, you'll some, you'll, it'll say on, the, on top, this is from chapter 26, Psukim 1 through 10, and then it's from chapter 28, Psukim. This, that's okay because you're skipping forward, but you can't skip backwards. In the V. Right? Also in Kriyat Torah, right. uh, Rahim says when you have Musifim, don't go back. Right, you can't go out of order. You can't no, go no, out of you, order. You oh. read, read seven aliyah. Right. Now they want to give him extra aliyah. Right. So don't go, don't go back trips to Kim and start right. all over again because of this. Right. It says continue. Stop it. Three right. points. Three you, can do for, you, can, you can repeat what you just said as long as you don't go out of order, but it's, it's more practical to keep going. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, it's better to keep going to read something new. That's true. But this is more talking about confusing the people. You know, we, 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 skipped, we went backwards, we went forwards, we, or we, you know, we skipped a section. So the only time we really skip a section ever in our Kriyat Torah that we is really on the fast day, because we skip from Vaychal. We skip the whole section of Hashem <coughs> going down to the, from the mountain all the way to uh, when he gets the second Luchot. So we skip like two columns or a column and a half. Yeah, because cause you're not up there for if you were, uh, because you only, let's say you get the third Aliyah. Right? So you didn't see what was before. But if you notice, they always have to roll after the Kohen Aliyah. The Kohen Aliyah is the first paragraph, and then they roll for the Levi. Um, Does he second talk way. about Not here. The, maybe in Masachet Megillah they talk about it. Because this is just a side point in Avodav Yom Kippur. They're not going to talk about it now. So then, so there are three things that Kohen would read. He would read Achrimot. The Seder Avodav in Achremot in the beginning, Seder Avodav Yom Kippur. He would read the section in Parshat Emor that talks about Yom Kippur, the holiday of Yom Kippur from Parshat Emor. He would read both of those from the Sefer Torah, but then he would read the section which we would call the Maftir, basically. The maft- what we read as the Maftir on Yom Kippur, which is the Korbanot. We always read from Parshat Pinchas. Every holiday, we read from Parshat Pinchas. The, um, the Maftir always reads from Parshat Pinchas, and it's always the Korban of the day, right? 
you know, this is the korban that you bring for this day, and so on. It's always the, the maftir is always the korban. He reads that ba'alpeh. He doesn't read it from the, from the, uh, the sefer Torah. Now, the, the practical reason is because it's way too far. Because the, because Achrimot is in the middle of the book of Vayikra, and, and Parashat Pinchas is towards the end of the Midbar. Right? So it's towards the end of the Midbar. It'll be a very long uh, way to go. Right, so that says Amai Niglol Vinikre. Why doesn't he just read it under the Sefer Torah? We can roll it. It says Amar Avun Habarid Rav Yoshua Amar Av Sheshet Lefisha En Golelin Sefer Torah BeTzibur because we don't roll the Sefer Torah in the community. In other words, we try not to. Obviously, if there's a situation where they only have one Sefer Torah, they don't have a choice. But we try, but we don't roll the Sefer Torah. In the community, that's why we always use more than one sefer Torah. Because it's a, it's a tirchad There's many other things that we do now. I always joke that there's so many other things that we do now that are that take so much more time than that. But uh, you see that the ideal of the rabbis was to make it as short as possible, to, out of respect for the people, but also for kavanah reason. Because if you drag things out too long, people they can't have kavanah. And so, like the, it's I, the biggest joke of all is on Yom on Rosh Hashanah, where the Rambam says, "Oh, you have to just do very minimal blasts during the chazat shots of Rosh." because you should only do like Tashrat one time and then Tarat one time and then you know and and uh, ta- and um, Tashrat ta- you know Tashrat is Shvarim Tuah and then you know and then Tuah and then Shvarim so Shvarim is called Tashat so the, instead of having like we have where we do all three variations for Malchiot all three variations for Zechonot all three variations for Shafrot he said no no just do one for each because it's Tirchad Tzibah it takes too long now we have so much extra stuff in the Rosh Hashanah Piyutim and the dragging on. What what happened to the uh, what happened to the Anyway, so the Why don't we just bring another sefer Torah then? Why does he have to read it Balpe? You're reading it orally. Because people will think you're taking out another sefer Torah because there's something wrong with the first one. That's why if you take out the wrong sefer Torah, you're not supposed to put it back. Right, that's why you have to be careful. You take it out, right. you put it back. People say, "Oh, it must be pasul." You put it back. You have to roll. Once you take one, that's it. Because of the halacha, that you're, it's going to look like pegam. The real reason is because of bachashi natzicha. In other words, since he's going to have to say another bachan a new sefer Torah, he can't rely on the bachah from the first sefer Torah. So therefore, he's going to have to say another bachan. It's un- we don't want to do that. So omi chayshinan lepgama. Are we really so worried about pegam about uh, about the implication that maybe it is pasul? Right, we we do it all the time. Right, whenever there are two sefer Torah, we do it all the time. That we read the maftir out of one, and we read the uh, regular. Or we have on 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 Rosh Chodesh. He didn't even have to bring the case of Rosh Chodesh that falls on Shabbat. He could have just talked about a regular Rosh Chodesh. I mean, he brings Rosh Chodesh Tevet that falls on Shabbat. Where you have three sefer Torah. You have Chanukah. You have Rosh Chodesh, and you have the sefer Torah of the of the day. You could have said any Rosh Chodesh. You bring two. It's showing an extreme. You bring three. Right? So yeah, yeah, if you can bring three Sifrei Torah, you're obviously not worried that they're going to think the first one is Pasul. The Gemara answers, The concern is not that we're worried that if you use more than one Sifrei Torah, people are going to think it's Pasul. If you have two different Aliyot, in other words, one Aliyah is in the first Sefer, you bring somebody up to read from the first Sefer Torah and a different person reading from the second Sefer Torah. Right? Because you have the first, you have the seven, let's say you have the Aliyot of uh, uh, Shabbat, and then you have the Aliyah of Rosh Chodesh, and then you have the Maftir, which is uh, Hanukkah, the way that we do it on, when it falls on Shabbat. Nobody's going to think it's a Pasul because it's different people. In other words, the person who read from the first Sefer Torah, the person who read from the second one, third, 
or it's not the same. If the same person reads three times, you're going to say, oh, well, obviously the first one that they did didn't count because it was Pasul. So you had to read another one and say, but here they're not going to say that. They know that the reason is because you're using it for different readings. That's all. Okay, so that's the conclusion. Why he says it Baal Peh. They ask a question. How come it is that, you know, he's allowed to say Tuashe Bechtav Baal Peh. That's a whole other discussion. They say, well, because it's, uh, it's more, it's like the way that we, the basic answer that they give is it's like the way that we read the Tfilat Musaf. We also mention the Korbanot of the day in the Tfilat Musaf. It's a reading that is not, not, doesn't have to be out of the Sefer Torah. That's all. Now the Gemara goes on. Um, he says, So the blessing that the Kohen Gadol says on the Torah, like in the Bet Knesset, so Rashi said that that just meant the, um, the concluding according to the Rambam, it means that he blesses before and after reading from the Torah. We read this before. In other words, these are the eight Bachot that the Kohen says, and we read in the Mishnah, the Rashi explains for each one what the Bacha exactly was, that he says these eight Bachot with different conclusions to each Bacha. What does it mean, the, uh, the rest of the tefillah? That it's song and supplication and request from before you uh, uh, for the Jewish people who need to be saved. And then he says, The Rashi explains that this is actually the text of the tefillah. Others say that, no, it's just giving it. It's saying the Kohen would elaborate himself. It's saying, It's not the words that he said. It's saying that the Kohen Gadol can make his own he can be, uh, you know, he can improvise. He improvises uh, a and ends with Shomei Tefillah. Now, here's a very interesting thing. I think this is very fascinating because it kind of supports the idea of what we do on Kal Nidre and also what people do with the, with the maybe even with the Mosifin. It's not really, but because it's, it's not talking, it's not saying that they should have Aliyot, but saying, Then everybody would bring their own Sefer Torah and show it how beautiful the Sefer Torah was. Very interesting. To show how beautiful it was. Now, obviously, it's saying back then they didn't they didn't have a way to carry things on, uh, you know, in in from place to place. So it means that they would bring it before whoever was going to be in the Bet Hamikdash that they would bring their Sefer Torah beforehand, just like people who would bring the lulav in the times of the Bet Hamikdash. They would shake the lulav first day of Sukkot on Shabbat. They would bring it from beforehand and leave it in the Bet Hamikdash. They would leave their uh, they would leave their Sefer Torah, and everyone would show how beautiful the, the Sefer Torah was that they had, just like the way that we bring out all the Sefer Torah. And it reminded me of like Kol Nidre, we bring out all the Sefer Torah that people donated. And people gave and show everyone wants people to see their beautiful Sefer Torah. That's exactly what it says that they used to do on Yom Kippur. Now, we said that if somebody sees the Kohen Gadol reading the Torah, he couldn't be seeing the burning of the Seir and the Par because it happened at the same time. Not because you're not allowed to see the two, but because it's physically impossible because they're happening at the same time. Right? So, what might you have thought? Why would you have thought it was prohibited? You might have thought that it's a sword to leave one of them, right? Umay mitzvah berovam hadat melech. That you might have thought that because having a lot of people present at each mitzvah is a, is a kavod to Hashem. So therefore you should not leave either mitzvah. So you would think if I'm already standing here watching one of the things, I should, I'm not allowed to leave and go watch the other thing. 
So that's why the Mishnah says, we're not saying that you're not allowed to. We're saying that you wouldn't be able to see both of them because they're happening at the same time. Not that you're not allowed to. But you might have thought you weren't allowed to. Why? Because you might have thought that once you're a, a spectator watching a mitzvah, you shouldn't leave because it detracts from the honor of the mitzvah. Kamash Malan, that that's not really considered to be, so, uh, that's not really considered to be that you're partaking in the mitzvah. And anyway, Rashi says, Since he's not involved in the mitzvah, in other words, Berov Am Hadrat Melech means when everyone there is involved in the mitzvah. Like if you have a large gathering for Kriyat Torah, or a large gathering for um, for uh, reading the Megillah or something like that, where everyone is doing the mitzvah together. That's different than when you're a spectator. When you're a spectator, you're not really adding to the mitzvah. What? Yeah, he's saying you're not really adding to the mitzvah. So if you leave that place where the you know where and you go where they're burning the uh, the seir and the par, you leave there and you go uh, watch the reading of the Torah. So you're not really. It's neither of those mitzvot is your personal mitzvah. You're just watching. You're just a spectator. So it's not considered like you're obligated to stay at the one that you came to first. But it just happens to be that you wouldn't be able to make it to the other one in time because you are going to. Uh, they happening simultaneously. It's impossible to get from one to the other. That's all. Now the mishnah now is going to continue with the. And here we're going to come to probably the most complicated and thorny part of the Seder Avodah, which, where there's a lot of different opinions. Because up till now, more or less, it's been agreed upon the process. That in the morning, he puts on the golden uh, clothing. He does the, uh, the morning, uh, normal morning routine of the Kohen, right? The normal morning uh, Korban Tamid. He changes into the white clothing. He does all the stuff that we saw with the white clothing, going into the Kodesh Kodashim, going into the Kodesh, Sira Mishtaleach, all of this stuff he does. And then it said, in between that, now he has like a period where he reads the Torah, which is not he could wear regular clothes if he wants, or he could wear the white clothing, it doesn't matter. Now we're going to resume the Avodah, and he still has three more sections of Avodah to do, because he really just did two things so far. He did the morning, the Tamit Shachar section. He did the things that are done with Big Day Lavan, the white garments, where he goes in, he comes out to the Kodesh Kodeshim and so on, the Parsa, you know, and everything. Now he reads the Torah, and now with he has, with the, or he could even wear his regular clothes, it said. He doesn't even, because it's not really part of the Avodah, it said. Now, what does he do now is he have three more sections of Avodah. He has to do the Musafim, okay? He has the, he has, he has, uh, Musaf obligations to do, which are with Big Day Zahav, golden clothing. And then he has to go back into the Kodesh HaKodeshim to retrieve the, uh, the pan that he left there, which is in the Big Day Lavan. And then he has to switch back into the golden clothing to conclude the service of the day. But where these different parts fit in, so there are three sections. Section number three, section number four, section number five, we could call it. Section number four, everybody agrees. That's just when he ch- puts the white clothing back on to go into the Kodesh Kodeshim to get the pan out and bring it out. That's, a, that's all he does. But the question is, and s- section number three and section number five, what is contained in them, basically? Okay? So now they're going to the Shabbat, just there's more Musaf animals, but it's the same timing. It's the same schedule, just the more no, Musaf. Not no, it's not going to change because when he does the Musaf now, let's say in the third section, after he reads the Torah, he's going to do the Musaf. If it's, a, you know, if it's Shabbat, he also has to bring Shnech Vasim extra, that's all. But it's going to be the same thing. Huh? No, there's no, 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 it's going to, no, because he's already in the golden clothing for the Musaf. So he just adds two more sheep to the number. It's to be seven for Yom Kippur, he brings nine. That's all. 
Now the Mishnah says, "In bebig day boots kore." If he read in the white clothing, so then kidesh adavar glav pashat yarad v'taval alav v'nistapak. So then he has to wash his hands and feet and take off the clothes. Do to vila go to the mikveh, come up dry. They give him the golden clothing. Vilavash v'kidesh adavar glav. He gets dressed. He washes his hands and feet. V'yatzav asat elo ve'et el ha'am. So the first thing he has to do now is elo ve'el ha'am. Because remember, in the beginning of Acharimot, it says in addition to the two sirim, it says he has to bring. It also says that he has to bring the um, he has to bring an ayil, a ram for an olaf for himself, and a ram for the people. Okay, so there's he so these two he hasn't brought yet these the rams. He brought the goat and the bull so far, but he didn't bring the ram. So what what is left for him to bring? Okay, what is left for him to bring are the musaf korbanot, the animals of the musaf. He has to still bring the seir chatat, which is the regular seir chatat that you have on every. Yom Tov, just the regular one. It doesn't go in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the regular ordinary one. And he has like the uh, afternoon service of the Korban Shel Ben Harbaim, the everyday Korban Tamid of the afternoon and the Ketorot of the afternoon, right? And the, and the Menorah of the afternoon, the regular stuff. So he has all that left to do. So, the, so the, the ram that he has to bring for himself and for the community, he does now. And it even says Benishana, which probably doesn't really belong there. It's probably somebody just, yeah, on the side it says to take it out. That's just because somebody was writing it and they thought of the Pasuk, so they put the words Benishana, but it doesn't really need, need that. The point is, he does the Shivat Takfasim. In other words, he does the Musaf. That's the Musaf. Okay, Diver Rabbi Eliezer. So Rabbi Eliezer says, right now, after he writes the Torah, re- reads the Torah, he puts on his golden clothing, he does his ayil, his, his ram, the ram of the people, and the Shivat Kvasim, which are the Musaf of Yom Kippur. That's what he does now in the golden clothing. Now, why does he do it in golden clothing? Because every holiday has a musaf. It's not special for Yom Kippur. Every holiday has a musaf. Okay? So that's now, that's Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Akiva Omer, no. What are you talking about? The seven kvasim of the musaf are brought with the tamid shal shachar. They're brought before, before the white garment service is done. In other words, according to Rabbi Akiva, in section one of the day, where he had the golden clothes and he did the korban tamid of the morning, that's when he did the seven kvasim of the, of the musaf. Not now, not after he's done the stuff with the white garments, before he should have done the uh, shiva kvasim. And, the, and according to Rabbi Akiva, upara ula, so we're going to see how exactly to put where the comma goes in the sentence, right? They were done with the afternoon. So according to according to Rabbi uh, Akiva, the way it goes is the seven sheep of the Musaf of Yom Kippur are done with the morning korban, not in the middle of the day, but with the morning korban before he starts any of the specific Yom Kippur activities. Okay, and then in the afternoon when he's closing out the day, that's when he brings the extra sa'ir lechatat that you would think is part of the musaf. But he says that you bring at the end of the day. And the par ha'ola, the, there's also a par that goes with the musaf. It's not clear whether the kama goes and it's supposed to be, it goes after the words of par ha'ola or before the words par ola. So when does the par ha'ola brought? Is it brought in the morning or in the afternoon? Is not clear. But what's definitely clear according to Rabbi Akiva is that this is not the time to do the musaf. The musaf is done, uh, is done at, at least some of it in the morning and some of it in the afternoon, but in the middle it's not done according to Rabbi Akiva. Okay, now, um, I, and that's how you crave in Tamishal Ben Arbaim. Kidesha Davak Lavapashat Vilavad Vitavalva Lavistapak. So now he goes and he, da- he washes his hands, takes off the clothing, changes, does to Vila, changes, dries up, right? Vehevulo Big Day Lavan. And again, he wears the white garments, he washes his hands and feet. He goes to take the 
uh, fire pen and the spoon that he left in the Kodesh Kodeshim. Then, again, he has to change. Washes his hands and feet. Goes to the mikveh, comes up, v'nistapag, dries off, evyulo big day zahav, he puts on the golden clothing again, v'lavash, v'kidesh adavraglav, he again gets dressed, washes his hands and feet, of course, that also means the Korban of Ben Harbaim. In other words, he does the Tamid service of the afternoon, which includes the Korban Tamid, as well as the Ketorot of the afternoon, and he lights the Menorah. He washes his hands and feet, and, and uh, he takes off the clothing for the last time. Now that, what's in parentheses there, doesn't necessarily have to be there. It says that that's in the Ushal, found in the Ushalmi version. Um, that he dries off. He take, he goes to the mikveh and he dries off. But he doesn't really have to go to the mikveh after he takes off the clothes for the last time because then they bring him his own clothing. And he gets dressed. They walk him home. And he made a holiday for his friends uh, because he came out of the Kodesh Kodeshim alive. He came out in peace. In other words, not in pieces, but in peace. So the, um, he, he made it. So the, so he would celebrate. Now obviously they're not going to really be having a l'chaim on Yom Gibor. Yeah, they have to, but remember, they had. It says there were no happier days. It says in the end of Masachet Tanit that the Yom Kippur they would be celebrating. Right, right. But the point is, like, Simcha is not a contradiction to Yom Kippur. They would be happy. They didn't have a lechayim until afterwards. You know, they, but you know, the day is almost over at this point because it's already done a lot of work. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, right. So they go home. And that was the last fila of the day. And then at the end of the day, they would have, I guess, a celebration, you know, break the fast together, we celebrate. Uh, but the, but the, the, the main question here is, where do, how is the Musaf distributed during this day? Right. Because is it, so according to, because according to Rabbi Eliezer, the way that Rabbi Eliezer had it, the seven kvasim are done right after the reading of the Torah, the, so basically, the core of the Musaf is done right after the reading of the Torah. According to Rabbi Akiva, no, no, it's done before, in the it, first thing in the morning. When he does the Korban Tamid in the morning, he does the Musaf of the Shivak Fasim. And the other part he does when he does the afternoon. The only thing he's doing in the middle of the day, according to Rabbi Akiva, meaning in section three, it sounds like, is he's doing the, his ram and the ram of the, and the ram of the people. That's what it sounds like from the Mishnah. The Gemara is going to qua- is going to clarify that there's something missing from both Rabbi Akiva's description and Rabbi Eliezer's description. They're both missing something here. So we, we haven't gotten the complete picture. So the Gemara is going to fill it out and then we'll be able to understand. It says, oh, Iba- yeah. Every Yom Tov it says, Usir is imachad lechatat, right? Bachutz because it doesn't go in the Kodesh HaKodeshim. The Sa'ir goes in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the one that we talked about before, that he goes with the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Okay. The partner of the Sirah Mishaleach, that he takes the blood in the Kodesh Kodeshim and he puts it in on the Aron and he puts it in front of the Aron, he puts it on the, 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 the blood. Right? That's called the Naseb Bifnim because you take the blood in the Kodesh Kodeshim. No, nothing is done. No, no, no. No, we're talking about that the blood goes on the outside altar. Like a regular. So now it says, Ibailu, they asked the question, what is it? First of all, Rabbi Akiva's statement is very vague. Is he saying that the bull of the Musaf goes with the morning or it goes with the afternoon? Because we don't know where to put the comma in his sentence. When he says, oh, the seven kvasim go with the morning korban and the par also. Or does he mean, no, the seven kvasim go with the morning and the par and the sa'ir go with the afternoon. Which one? Which one did he mean? Where's the comma go? Right? Vitu par, Rabbi Eliezer, the Shayre, Ematavile. 
First and secondly, Rabbi Eliezer never tells us where to do the parhaulai. Never tells us where to do the bull of the musaf. We're not talking about the bull that goes in the blood goes in the kosher koshim. The bull of the musaf. We don't know when to do it, right? And vitu ben the Rabbi Eliezer ben the Rabbi Akiva imurei chatate matavilu. And also, what about the fats of the seir and the par that were taken out to be burnt? We know that the fats were placed in a bowl to be put on the mizbech. When are they put on the mizbech? At what point in the service are they put? Amar avaravased la mashkachad la matkanta. You don't find a complete seder avoda el ol. You, here, what we have in the Mishnah is a broken version. We don't, we don't have a complete version, incomplete version of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer. You have to either look at the version that, that the Shivav Shmuel taught for Rabbi Eliezer is complete, or you need the one from the Tosefta for Rabbi Akiva is complete. So now we have, Now notice that actually this version doesn't actually fit with what the Mishnah says at all. It actually contradicts the Mishnah, but this was the version of Rabbi Eliezer that they had. Rabbi Eliezer now, according to this, Yatza meaning after the big day Lavan. So we have section one of the Avodah is when he just does the Korban Tamid of the morning in the golden clothing. Then he does all the stuff in the white clothing, including the Seir that goes inside, the part that goes inside, the Seir of Mishtaleach and everything. Then he reads the Torah. That's in the middle. That's the break. Okay. Now we come to section three where he wears the big day Zahav. What does he do in that section? Rabbi Eliezer says in that section of the, of the Avodah, he does his ram and the ram of the people and the emurei chatat, the fats that he took out of the parvisair that were taken to be burnt, okay, the ones whose blood went in the Kodesh Kodashim, those fats now go on the altar. Aval para but the par, meaning the musaf, there's a, there's a bull that is part of the Musaf that goes on the altar. Vishivat Kvasim. And the seven Kvasim that go on the altar, on the outside altar. Usiyan Asabachutz. And the regular Sa'ir that's part of the Musaf that the blood is applied to the outer altar and it's put on the outer altar. Im Tamid Shel Ben Arbaim. All of that is with the afternoon korban. Now, in our Mishnah, he said that the seven kvasim are done in the middle, right? He said he had said that the seven kvasim were supposed to be done in section three. Now he's saying, no, no, no. All of that is done in section five. At the end of the day, he does the musaf. The only thing he does now in this in section three, right after he reads the Torah, the only thing he does is his his ram, the ram of the people, and the fats from the parvisair that went out. But everything of the musaf, everything of the musaf, is done in the afternoon with the afternoon Koban, the last time he puts on the golden clothing, which is in the fifth section of the Avodah, the last time. Rabbi Akiva the Tosefta, my. What is Rabbi Akiva the Tosefta? The Tani, Rabbi Akiva, Omer, Paro, Olav, Shivak, Vasimim, Tamid, Shal, Shachar, Ayukovin. The opposite of what Rabbi Eliezer says here in the in this version, right? According to Rabbi Akiva, the Musaf, basically, the Par and the Kvasim are done in the morning. So when you bring the Korban Tamid in the morning, the first time he puts on the Big Day Zahav, that's the difference. In other words, there are three times that he puts on the Big Day Zahav. One is the first section of the Avodah before he's put on the Big Day Lavan. One is at the end of the day and one is in the middle of the day. Rabbi Akiva says the first time he puts on the Big Day Zahav is when he does the Musaf together with the Korban Tamid of the morning. Okay, because whenever it talks about korban musaf, it always says milvad You do this in addition to the olat So how do you show that it's in addition to the to the korban tamid of the morning by doing the musaf in the morning? Meaning, right when he does the the tamid shal shachar, the regular morning korban, he should also do the musaf. That's according to Rabbi Akiva. And then then everybody agrees. After the first time he wears the golden clothing, he switches into the white clothing and he has the 
uh, goes into the into the Kodesh Kodashim and all that. And then he changes into the golden clothing after reading the Torah. Now he does the Sa'ir. Now the, the now the Graz version is in other words, really what it should say is, now he does his ram, the ram of the people, the fats of the, uh, the fats of the, um, uh, of the parvisair that were taken out, and the chatat that is done outside. In other words, he says, all of that goes in the third section. Okay, and then, so that's what it says, Right, so it's because it says seir izim achad chatat. It says that it's supposed to be seir izim achad chatat milivad chatat kipurim. In other words, it's connected. The seir that is brought as part of the musaf is supposed to be connected to the seir that was brought inside the kodesh that the blood was brought inside the kodesh kodeshi. Right, because it says that you should bring this seir in addition to chatat kipurim. So it has to be related to v'charkach elov elaam v'charkach imurei chatat v'charkach tamit shel ben arbaim. So, so basically, the way that Rabbi Akiva has it is he has the musaf. Most of the musaf is done in the very beginning of the day. In the middle of the day, the only thing that's brought is, like everybody agrees, his ram and the ram of the people. Everybody agrees that's done in the third section. Everybody agrees that the fats of the parva sa'ir that were taken out to be burnt are done in the third section. But the sa'ir that is brought, the sa'ir that's part of the musaf, according to Rabbi Akiva, is done in the third section also because it needs to be connected to the sa'ir that was brought earlier that the blood went into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. That, so we have two issues that Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer are disagreeing with according to this. One is, when do you do the most of the musaf, like all the kvasim and everything, the the um, the uh, bull and the and the kvasim and uh, and the uh, he, and so the Rabbi Akiva says that's done first thing in the morning, and Rabbi Eliezer says that's done at the end of the day. Then the question is, when do you do the sa'ir? That's part of the musaf. Rabbi Akiva says you do that in the middle of the day, section three of the avodah. And according to Rabbi and according to uh, uh, Rabbi Eliezer said, no, 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 you do that at the end of the day with the tamid shel ben arbaim. Okay, so that, so that's the, that's what they differ on. They're, so th- basically, those two things: when do you do the par and the kvasim of the musaf, where Rabbi Akiva says first thing in the day, and Rabbi Eliezer says the end of the day, and when do you do that extra? goat that's brought as a chatat that's brought only on the outside altar that the blood doesn't go inside when do you do that according to Rabbi Akiva you do that in the third section of the day and, and meaning the second time that he puts on the golden garments and according to Rabbi Eliezer you also put that at the end of the day okay that's those are the two distinguish you know distinctions between them now um and now the Gemara goes on and it says what's the reasoning behind it so my time the Rabbi Eliezer what's Rabbi Eliezer's reasoning avid we do exactly what's written. He says, very simple. I'm reading the order of the Torah. What's written first in the Torah is Parshat Acharimot. In Parshat Acharimot, it says all the things, including the, uh, the Avodav Yom Kippur. And when does it talk about the Musaf? It talks about that in Parshat Pinchas. Parshat Pinchas is at the end of Bamidbar. Right? It's in two weeks from now we're reading it. Right? We read Acharimot weeks ago. Now we're not even up to Parashat Pinchas yet. When we get Parashat Pinchas later. So therefore, when do you do it? In the end of the day. Whatever is written in Parashat Pinchas, you do it at the end of the day. Okay? Rabbi Akiva has his own reasoning. Because it says, It always says that the Musaf is additional to the Olata Tamid of the morning. Right? Milvad Olata Boker. In addition to the Olav of the morning, you do the Musaf. It's called the Musaf because it's additional 
to the olav the morning. So you have to do it in the morning, even though it's right. That's right. It's an add-on. So Rabbi Akiva says has to be in the morning. So that's machloket number one between them, right? Alma musafinim tamid shalshachar meaning that the, that has that the musaf has to go at the tamid of the morning. That's the reasoning of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer have diametrically opposite. In other words, according to Rabbi Akiva, it's the first. It's part of the first section of the day, and according to Rabbi Eliezer, it's part of the last section of the day. For Rabbi Eliezer, I'm yilavad chatat why doesn't Rabbi Eliezer agree with Rabbi Akiva that the chatat that is part of the musaf should be done at the same time that you put the fats of the other sa'ir on the altar? Because it says, milivad chatat that it's in addition to the chatat ha-kippurim. Right? Whenever it says milivad, Rabbi Akiva literally wants them to be connected. So since it says milivad olat that the musaf is in addition to the morning uh, korban, so he wants to put it with the morning korban. And since it says milivad chatat ha-kippurim, that the sa'ir, the extra sa'ir, which is the kind that we have on every holiday, sa'ir is imachad chatat that since that's connected, related, it says milivad, in addition to the chatat that went, that the blood went into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, you should have this, right? So since it's in addition, it should be done at the same time. Rabbi Eliezer says no. So, is that, so why not? He says, no, do that at the end of the day too. So, ha-hu, It's necessary. To tell you that just like the chatat, that the sa'ir, that the blood goes into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, is mechaper for tumat mikdash v'kodeshav. It's mita, it, the, the kapara is for the defiling of the Beit HaMikdash, so too, the Sa'ir that is brought on every holiday. We learned it in the very beginning of Masechet Shavuot, which was the very beginning of our learning of Daf Yomi, pretty much. Almost like, you know, Years ago, almost four years ago, right? We, when we learned Shavuot, we learned that the Sa'ir that's brought on every holiday is also for Kapara for Mikdash V'Kodashav. Tumat Mikdash V'Kodashav. So it's saying it's the same reason. It, it, it's, it has the same theme. It has the theme of purifying the Beit HaMikdash from our trespasses, from where we're not when careful. Both. When you, once one of them is Because one is what? only for things that you, uh, that you um, didn't know before, but you realized afterwards. So you can't bring your own korban because you never knew before that you were tamay and you to- and ev- you only realized that you were even tamay after the whole thing happened. So you can't bring a korban. And the one that's brought on uh, Yom Kippur is it, whether even if nobody knew ever, they didn't know before, they didn't know after. It's like you know kilachola am bishkagats for for everything. Almost not right? the second one is inclusive. Yeah. Okay. It's in in a way, except the one is more um, uh, one is more personal. Because the one that's more personal, meaning you realized afterwards, the one that you never knew, obviously, you couldn't possibly ever bring a Koban because you didn't know before and you didn't know after. But the idea that you bring it on Yom Kippur is that we know that there are mistakes being made that we never even realized, basically, is the idea. We know that in addition to the mistakes we realize, there's many mistakes we don't even realize. You know, Shigiyot Miyavin, well, we would never know, right? That's the idea. Rebbe Yudao, Now, just to make you more confused, there's another two versions of Rebbe Eliezer on top of that, right? Now, just to make it simple... This is the basic breakdown. Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer says, so far, the Musaf and the Sa'ir Khatat, which is part of the Musaf, not the one that the blood goes in the kosher Kodashim, go at the end of the day. Rabbi Akiva says the Musaf goes in the beginning of the day. That's, that's the simple breakdown, right? That's a simple breakdown. Now we have a little bit more complication. That Rabbi Yehuda says, No, Echad Karevim Tamit Shal Shachar, Veshishayim Tamit Shal Ben Arbaim. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omer Rishmo, Shishak Karevim Tamit Shal Shachar, Veachadim Tamit Shal Ben Arbaim. So we have two different versions. That, no, you know, even Rabbi Eliezer agrees, I'm sorry, even Rabbi Akiva agrees that part of the Korban of the Musaf should be at the end of the day. Right? Because he said, even he agrees. The question is, should he do six in the morning and leave one of the kvasim to do in the late afternoon? Or should he do one in the morning and leave six to do in the afternoon? In other words, according to this, even Rabbi Akiva agrees that at least some of the sheep of that musaf, he agrees with Rabbi Eliezer. Right? At least one, maybe six. 
Go on the afternoon too. My time out to Rabbanan. What's the reasoning of these rabbis? We see that there's two psukim. One pasuk says, that it's connected to the morning korban. And if it's connected to the morning korban, that means it should be done in the morning, like Rabbi, like Rabbi Akiva said before. But it also says he goes out and he does his olan, olata'am, which were connected to the musaf. So therefore we would assume that he has to also, uh, you know, that he has to do some of the musaf and leave it for the afternoon. Okay, so, the, and, and if that's the case, so therefore we have some in the morning, some in the afternoon. So, what's the machloket? He says it's better to just, since we have to, to fulfill the pasuk, that the musaf is connected to the morning offering, we have to have at least one of the kvasim offered. He says that's the minimum, do one in the morning. Why? Because we don't want to tire the Kohen Gadol out that he already did seven kvasim together with the Koban of the morning, and another seven kvasim with that was for the Musaf, and now he has to go do the Avodah of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. He's already worn out from all that, uh, all those other Korbanot. Better that he instead just do one, then do the Big Day Lavan, and at the end of the day, when he can, you know, he's a, you know, regain some strength, he can do the end. Right? So, the, Right, so he says no. The other way around, since the avodah of the morning, the the chance is that they, you know that he'll be worn out by the end of the day, and then he won't end up doing the full musaf. Do it in the beginning. Do six of them. Why? Because that way we know. Because we know he's going to get extra adrenaline when he goes into the kodesh kodeshim. He's going to have the energy for that. The kodesh kodeshim is going to do. Right? We're not worried about that, but we're worried that maybe he'll be so tired by the end of the day he does he neglects to do the rest of the musaf. So he should do six in the morning and one at the end of the day. So according to this, though, we have to fulfill two psukim. We have to fulfill the pasuk that tells us that the morning that that the musaf is connected to the morning. But we also have to ha- ha- fulfill the pasuk. <coughs> that says that the Musaf should be towards the end of the day. We're doing both, according to Rabbi Akiva. No, yeah, he's really tired. By now, he's like wiped out. Right now. It's like the doctor on Kolo Yeah, the yeah, the whole night and he's still working. Yeah. <laughs> now he says, But everybody, according to this, agrees that there's only one ayl. Now, this is another machloket, because if you look at it in Achrimot, it says that the Kohen Gadol should bring, um, in addition to the Sirim and everything, he has to bring. Ayl echad, right? He has to bring one ayl for the people. Uh, right? It says, Ume'et adat me Yisrael yikach shnei Yisrael izim lechatat v'ayl echad le'ola. It says he has to bring one ayl for the people. Now the question is, that ayl that it mentions there in Parshat Achremot, is it the same as the ayl, the same as the ram that's mentioned in the Musafim? It's just part of the Musaf? Or there's another ayl that's connected to the Seirim? There's another one. So that's the question. So it says everybody here is assuming that this aisle is just part of the Musaf. It's the same thing. Right? Keman, Kirebi. Detanya, Rebi Omer, Ayel Echad Amur Khan, Huamor Bukhumasha Pikudim. The aisle that's mentioned in Parshat Achimur is just part of the Musaf. There's no extra ram. There's only one ram for the people and one ram for the Kohen Gadol, not two. Rebi Eliazab, Rebi Shimon, Omer Shnelim, Echad Amur Khan, Echad Amur Bukhumasha Pikudim. According to him, there's a whole additional korban. There's a whole additional aisle. There's an aisle of the people and an aisle of the Kohen Gadol in addition to the aisle, the ram of the Musaf. There's another one. Right? So, because it says there's only one. That's his reasoning. It says, So when it says later on in Parshat Pinchas that there's an ayel, it's talking about the same one. There's only one. It doesn't mean that there's only one. It just means that you should pick the best of the best that you have. 
Doesn't mean there's only one. There's actually two. For Rabbi Nafkale, Rabbi says, I learned that from the Pasuk that you have to have the best animal when you come to fulfill a, an oath to bring a Koban. For Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, like we've said before, same concept. That he says you have two Psukim. You have Ayel Echad to teach you it has to be the best, and you have Mibchar Nidarecha to teach you it has to be the best. Why do you need two? We've said before. Because on one hand, you could say an obligatory Korban has a higher standard, because since Hashem is, is telling you to bring it, you have to bring the best. But a voluntary Korban, you could say, ah, I'm, I'm voluntary. I'm, I'm volunteering to do it. Why do I have to bring the best? It's a present. It's, right, it's better than nothing. It's a present. You can't complain. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Right? That's what we say. Right? <laughs> On the other hand, you could say the opposite. Obligatory one. Right? I'm bringing it out of an obligation. So as long as it's minimally uh, acceptable, it's okay. One that I bring of my own. If you're going to go bring of your own, don't come and bring trash. You got to bring something good. That's right? So that, right. Yeah. So you, you can't, it's a, it's a busha. Bring something better. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a person gives you, you know, a, a gift that is better that they gave you nothing. Right? The worst is when they give you cash and they give you like five dollars. You know, it's like you should have just given me nothing. A nice card would have been better. Once you give money and it's five dollars, it's already busha. Right, so it's the same thing. So, in other words, the idea is you need both. A pasuk to tell you that when it's an obligatory korban, it should be the best. When it's a voluntary korban, it should be the best. So, but this is a very interesting thing because if you look in Parshat Achremot, it mentions Ayil. It mentions Ayil there. And when you look in Parshat Benchas, it mentions Ayil as part of the... It mentions a ram as part of the Musaf. The question is, is that the same ram or there's two rams? So you have a machloket there as well. Now, and, but basically what we have is in the Seder Avodah, we have multiple opinions about how the Musaf is distributed across the day. Do you have all seven kvasim in the morning or all seven kvasim in the late afternoon? Do you have one in the morning and six in the afternoon? Six in the morning, one in the afternoon? And then where does the tsair fit? There's the extra tsair that's part of the musaf, not the one that the blood goes in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the regular tsair that is part of the musaf. Does it go in the middle of the day when you bring the rams? Or does it go at the end of the day when you uh, bring the uh, korban of the afternoon? So there's a lot of discussion about it, basically how to weave in the musaf. Because the regular standard offering. See, Musaf, I think the reason is because it's a gray area, because the regular standard daily Koban, we know the schedule. There's a morning, and there's afternoon. Nobody has any argument about that. There's a Tamid of the morning, Tamid of the afternoon, in the golden clothing, and that's the regular daily service. The question is Musaf, because Musaf, in a certain way, Musaf is something that is also generic. It exists on every Chag. It's, it's, so in that way, it's kind of like an ordinary service. It's not a special service, because it exists on every Chag, every Shabbat. On the other hand, it's connected to Yom Kippur, and it's, inter- it's sort of woven into Yom Kippur, the specialness of Yom Kippur. So how do we show that the Musaf in some ways actually is connected to the specialness of Yom Kippur? In some ways it's just connected to Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is a, is a holy day and all holy days have a Musaf. So weaving it in, it's sort of a gray area. On one hand, it's special. for It, it, it should connect in some way to the specialness of Yom Kippur. And in other ways, it's, it doesn't connect to the specialness of Yom Kippur. It just relates to the generic idea of a holy day having a musaf so how to how to that's why you have so many opinions about how exactly to distribute the korbanot um, across the day